Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Let me try again. Hello, everyone. I'm Teresa. And I'm Sarah. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Hey, everyone. I'm Teresa. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Catch Me Up podcast, a podcast where Sarah and I, a married, queer, couple in healthcare that live in the South, catch up on our lives, current events, and hopefully get to talk to some interesting and dynamic people in the process. Okay, everyone. We just wanted to give you a heads up and a trigger warning for this episode. Today, we talk about infertility, pregnancy loss, miscarriages, and also maternal death. So if those things are triggering to you, maybe let's skip this episode for today and you can catch up with us next week. Okay. Love you. Bye. Hello. (laughs) Hello. So we are here today with Lauren. Hi. Hi. Lauren and I, we just found out, used to work together. Yes. <laughs> Lauren has put her two weeks notice in. Yes. <laughs> but Lauren is also a respiratory therapist. And Lauren is a supporter of the pod. Love it. And um, when I asked if anybody had any questions, her question was, can I be on the pod? And we said, of course. <laughs> this is an honor. Yeah. Truthfully, this is an honor. Oh, it's so official. This is so awesome. Do you want to introduce your little appendage there? This is my baby girl, Camille, who is three months old. So you might hear her sucking on her pacifier. Mm-hmm. But she's chilling. She is. She loves a good contact nap. That's great. I love that. Mm-hmm. So Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's, I guess, like, before we get into it, get into it, you want to tell us, like, who you are, where you're from, yeah. your little bio. My name is Lauren Jurges. How do you pronounce it? Jurges. G-E-R-G-E-S. Everyone, or Gurgis or Gerger, like people don't look at the S and they think it's another R. My husband's dad is from Lebanon, so it's Lebanese. And his mom is from Brazil, so he is a first-generation American. That's cool. Yeah. And actually a bunch of his family was here from Lebanon this wow. weekend. So we were just, you know, that's Easy what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Do you get to like eat like, do they cook for Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, when we first started dating, I was like, oh, I don't know if I like Lebanese food, but it is so good. Yeah. Lebanese food is probably some of the best food I've ever eaten, truthfully. I don't what know is, that I know what Lebanese food is like. Is, is it, it like, like Middle like Eastern? Like Mediterranean? Yes. Yes. Mediterranean, Middle It's something I compare it to. It's almost kind of like Greek, mm-hmm. truthfully, yeah. because we'll go to, um, Acropolis is that what it yeah. is? Okay, we'll go there, and some of the things that they have on the menu is some of the things I've cooked for me. Cool. So it's super close That's to Greek cool. food. Yeah, it's very very good. Mm. So he's a first generation American, cool. and I'm hoping they'll teach her, you know, yeah. some kind of language. But yeah. uh, how did you guys meet? We I didn't know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I had just uh, finished at UTC, and I was like, I don't want to use a business degree, and so. I was a big time partier and kind of doing nothing, still kind of like living off mommy and daddy almost because mm-hmm. I was working at a daycare and that doesn't mm-hmm. pay very much. Yeah. So I was only taking two classes. It was my last two classes, my senior year, and I had finished and my parents showed up one day. That's Camille. Uh, my parents 
kind of showed up at my apartment one day and they were like, you're moving out. You're moving back in with us. <laughs> They're like, we don't care. Like, you know, this isn't to like ground you or like take control of you, but you know, we're not like footing the bill for you to just party. Mm-hmm. And so they moved me back in and my dad came home one weekend with a red lobster card. He was like, they're hiring. Go apply. <laughs> so I did. And they were like, we don't care where you work either. They're like, you yeah. could work McDonald's, Chick-fil-A. You know, you're going to work, though, is kind of what they said. Mm-hmm. And they made me pay them um, rent, not a lot. And then they gave it back to me when I moved out. I didn't know they were, sit, like, Aww. holding on to it. But it was just kind of like That's so sweet. I could be responsible for something. Yeah. And he always is – he's a workaholic. And he likes to buy income properties mm-hmm. and flip them or rent them and stuff like that. So he didn't want to use his salary to do that. He wanted to use serving money. So he started serving and I was bartending and we closed just about every night together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I liked him for a full year and he knew it. <laughs> and he always was like, I don't date people that I work with. Yeah. yeah. And then he got fired and then he asked me out. <laughs> so <laughs> it worked out. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. That is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does he do now? He's a chemist. Wow. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, since he graduated, yeah. What does that mean? I don't really know. Okay. Does he work for, like, Chatham? No, he works for a company called Zico, and they make oh. detergents and sanitizers and stuff like that wow. for, like, beef plants, chicken factories, oh, breweries, okay. stuff, you know, that is safe to use. Truthfully, I don't know what he does every day. Mm-hmm. I know he's, like, he now deals with like the logistics part of it and mm-hmm. like the rules and regulations. He no longer is like making the formulas yeah. and he misses that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so you were born and raised here, born in Louisiana, moved here when I was six. Okay. Oh yeah. Yes. Louisiana. I know that. Mm-hmm. What part of Louisiana? I was born in central, oh. but my dad is from central Louisiana, North central. And my mom is from deep South Louisiana, which wow. North Louisiana and South Louisiana should completely be two different states. Yeah. So how'd y'all end up here? Uh, my dad. He, my mom has one sister who lives here. Okay. And her two kids and they all live here. And then my dad just kind of wanted to change. And he was like, let's just, he got a job at Notre Dame. Oh, okay. oh nice. And then came up here. Cool. Her mom had my like dream job growing up. PE teacher? She was a PE teacher. <gasps> Isn't that nice. cool? But she, <laughs> yeah, she wears Nike shorts and a t-shirt every day. <sighs> my dream. Know, that was my dream in high dream. school. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. And she, she like coached. coached you and stuff. She did. Well, she's coach. She still coaches. Um, She's coached her entire career. But now she coaches middle school. It was a big adjustment to go from high school to middle school for her. She mm-hmm. took high school mentality to middle school. And she's, if I could compare her to anyone, it was. Like Pat Summit, uh, yeah, intense. Oh, she's. Yeah. I used to love basketball season because she'd always have no voice. <sighs> I great. loved it. That is so. Um, <laughs> she's a very good coach. I can admit that now because she's no longer my coach. Mm-hmm. I hated when she coached me, but she's won about four state championships. That's wow. awesome. Mm-hmm. One in track, two in basketball. No, she's a great coach. That's cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You have siblings? Mm-hmm. I have one yeah. sister. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you have a lot of family around here, cousins. They all live in Louisiana, Louisiana okay. or Texas. My sister actually lives in Baton Rouge. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's just me and my cousin and my aunt and my uncle and my parents here. Nice. Mm-hmm. Y'all are going to hear her breathing a lot on this. It's okay. okay. <laughs> and she went to high school with um, 
Yeah. Alyssa so and them. So yes. Love Alyssa and Chance. Mm-hmm. Love them all. Yeah. Yeah. They're all really Her little good boy people. just is like six months yesterday. Really? Just a baby. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I remember know. when you told me that he was born. He's yeah. so cute. He's so cute. I love his name. I love that she named him Davis. Yeah. He, she's, he's about the size, though. Oh, she's a chunk. And she he's little. He's really? Like, when we first met him, I was like, so tiny like it was like scary how so, tiny she's was. 15 pounds at three months she is awesome. a chunker but she's very long, long for her yeah. age like she's like 90th percentile for height yeah that's how my niece is too my niece yeah. is so tall she is she's a tall girl and then they like they like grow and then they yeah chill out and yeah shift around my yeah. husband is six four yeah wow. so i'm like i do hope she kind of gets his height yeah, yeah. so she'll be tall yeah Aww. But yeah, she's she's a little chunker. She's 15 pounds, but like 10 of it is cheek. <laughs> That's a big old cheek. That was me. Really? Yeah. I love Those it. Things that- I like, you look like you got stung by a bee. Yeah. <laughs> like her cheeks are so big. They were so big. <laughs> That's so weird. And I had like the rolls on my arm. Uh huh. Like, like the Michelin. It's so Michelin cute, man. though. Oh, it is so cute. I love a chunky baby. Oh. She's mine. You want to say mm. something? No. Okay. How did you end up in respiratory therapy uh, then? There it was. You want to answer that question? She's so cozy. So how did I get into respiratory? Mm-hmm. Maggie and I mm-hmm. are friends from high school. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And actually family friends. Uh, her fiance, Harrison, has been, he was actually my babysitter. Oh, okay. Growing up. And Maggie was in respiratory and my aunt is a nurse. And she told Maggie about respiratory and she convinced me to also do it. Nice. So. Like you should do that because I was like, I don't want to be a nurse. I don't know why I didn't want to be a nurse, but a lot of good reasons. <laughs> but she was like, you should be a respiratory therapist. So sometimes when we're frustrated with the job, we um, we blame my aunt Maggie and I blame my aunt. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. So you obviously just had your baby three months ago. Yeah. And I feel like while I would say like during the time that you were pregnant with her. Mm-hmm was when Sarah and I kind of started our conversation about kids. And mm-hmm. so, like, I feel like I know more about your mm-hmm. journey maybe mm-hmm. than most. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think it would be just good to talk about as, as much as you're comfortable yeah. w- what that process was like for you. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's different for everybody. But, um, yeah, like, when did you guys start talking about kids? And then I want to say my husband has always wanted kids a lot sooner than I did. Mm. He is older than me which you know I never felt pressured by him to have kids I feel like that's important I feel like you and your partner need to be on the same same page as that because you know I have had friends who they've been on different wavelengths and it does cause an issue yeah um he had just always you know been like okay when are you thinking and stuff like that we accidentally got pregnant in August of 2020 and lost that one Mm -hmm. and it was hard but I think it was at that point that I was like, okay, maybe this is something I really am ready for mm-hmm. and I do want. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like after that, I was like, well, the, the world's basically shut down anyway. Yeah. So, kind of, yeah. you know, and more losses happened. And mm-hmm. We were just kind of like at our, I don't like what's in, you know, I wasn't super, what's the word? I wasn't super disheartened just yet. Mm-hmm. but I was like, we tried for a whole year after that and it, nothing was working. Yeah. And I had had all the labs 
run everything was fine and that's when my doctor kind of was well she had tried to send me for a long time Mm -hmm. I just kept saying no to fertility I was like no this isn't something I'm ready for because I knew once that started I it it wasn't going to stop truthfully yeah and it was January of 22 that we had um our first appointment actually our anniversary nice yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it when, at what point did you guys figure out your like clotting situation? It was after that the miscarriage before her. Okay. Mm-hmm. When basically their fertility doctors were like, this shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. They both, the both of the ones at that office called me personally to talk to me. And they were like, we, we are going to figure this out. This shouldn't have happened. We do apologize. You know, there's nothing we can say or do. But this shouldn't have happened because everything looked fine, tested normal. And they basically ran every test they could think of Mm. on me. And that's the one that came up. Which, you know. No, it's called uh, lupus lupus anticoagulant. Mm -hmm. Which means what? Just have an increased tendency for clotting. Yeah. Like a risk for bleeding. Mm -hmm. There's like a back and forth. Mm. It's kind of. The lupus one is kind of nonspecific. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. And how he explained it was, well, I was like, do I have lupus? And he was like, no. He was like, you have the, and how he explained it. He was like, you, like, you know, you're in the fans at a Tennessee game. You're wearing the jersey, but you're not on the team. Oh, and he was like, you have all the antibodies in your body to develop lupus, but you don't have it. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you won't one day have it. I'm not saying you will have it. He's like, you do have the antibodies to possibly cause it. He's like, don't go get tests run. Da, da, da. He's like, always mention it. Yeah. Because, you know, if you have weird symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, they might want to run a test. He's like, but right now you're fine. And I've never had any kind of symptom of lupus whatsoever. So it was weird. So then, so then in order to get pregnant with her and mm-hmm. stay pregnant with her, mm-hmm. there was some extra stuff you had to do? Like, Yeah. Um, we went through, well, we went through IVF for mm-hmm. her. And that was honestly really hard. It yeah. was, I know that's how a lot of people have their families, but it's not easy. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. It is, and you know, you have a partner who tries to understand it, but he, he can't. Yeah. You know, the most involved he felt was giving me the shots every day. Yeah. Um, which was hard for him too, you know, and it was hard seeing me go through it and the emotional ups and downs. And it really was, I mean, I felt like crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the end, you just don't even know how it's going to turn out, truthfully. Yeah. And you're paying all this money and you're putting your body through so much for a maybe, which was like the hardest part to me. Yeah. But that step, the egg retrieval went really well for us. Mm. And that was good. Um, We got five embryos. We got eight. Okay. Five of them were genetically normal, um, which we were very excited about. And then we did our first embryo transfer, and it was successful. And we were like, finally, some good news. Mm-hmm. You know, this was worth it type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was, I had my first shift back because I took each transfer I have taken off like a month. Yeah. Because I didn't, I never wanted to be stressed out there. And yeah. then like, stressed, so I've always taken a month off. And it was my first shift back. And I came home, that was a Monday night. On Tuesday, I was off, and then I just felt really weird anyway, and I that's that was the night that I had um, that miscarriage mm-hmm. was the Tuesday night, and 
he and I just stayed up all night crying. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, that was, that one was really hard. And it was after that, that I kind of, I just kind of wanted to give up truthfully. I was like, I'm not going through this again. Yeah. And that's when my doctors were like, there's something else going on. Yeah. And they were like, if you let us, we're going to find it. Yeah. And it was, I didn't want to go that route just yet. So I, um, it took a couple months. And after that is when I went in and they found, you know, the lupus anticoagulant. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to sound weird because it shouldn't, but like as a female, this is the one thing I'm biologically supposed to do yeah. and do it correctly. No yeah. matter what else I do in this world, biologically, that that was the one thing I was supposed to be doing. So until that diagnosis, I just felt like a failure, yeah. truthfully. Yeah. I felt like I was letting Michael down because he always wanted to be a dad. I felt like I was letting my parents down because they always wanted to be grandparents. Yeah. It was just like a whole, and it shouldn't feel like that, truthfully. Yeah. Like right. if you are a woman going through infertility, it's not your fault. Yeah. It truthfully is not. But I did. Yeah. And it was not something I could not get out of my head. Yeah. How much of a failure and how much I thought I was letting everyone down. Yeah. And when I got that diagnosis, I just cried because I was like, it's not me. Yeah. It is me. And I kind of yeah. went through a period of, yeah, yeah. I kind of went through a period of like, you know, we never truly knew who it was, him or I. Yeah, yeah. And then we finally did. So I did kind of like go through like a month or so of, oh, it really was me. It was my fault. We had to pay all this money and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But that went away. Yeah. Um, but I still wasn't ready to like try again. It wasn't until six months after that that I finally was like, okay, I'm I'll give it one more try, and if not, we're we're done. Yeah. yeah. And here she is. Mm. I love that for you. <laughs> we did have a bunch of scares almost like the exact week to the day I started bleeding really heavily. Mm. Again, I had a complete panic attack, breakdown panic attack. Michael came home from work, and I was like on my bathroom floor just crying. Yeah. Because in my head, I was like, I've been through this several times now I know what's going on yeah so we both were just speechless at that point and I had like messaged my doctors and I was like I need to come in tomorrow for this is what's happening Mm -hmm. draw some blood or whatever and I guess they didn't believe it because they I turned my phone well I put on silent because I was you know yeah I was like I'm in I remember Michael changed my clothes and yeah and we were in bed and um they had called me five times Mm. and I didn't hear any of it because I put my phone on silent and then I just randomly had picked up my phone and they had eventually left me a voicemail and I listened to it they were like we're holding the office open for you you need like we want you to come in yeah for an ultrasound and at that point you can't really see much but they're like we don't believe it and went in and there was like the the little gestational sac you couldn't see a baby yeah but you could see like that part but you you wouldn't have been able to see a baby that, that early so he was like, you're going to go on bed rest for 48 hours and you're going to come in 48 hours later and then we'll tell you. So that was like the longest 48 hours yeah. of my life. Yeah, for sure. You were having yeah. to do um, blood thinners? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. to do like Lovenox? Lovenox. And then Lovenox and then um, heparin starting oh. at 36 weeks because oh, wow. you can't so get an epidural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's terrible. And heparin's like, doesn't bless me. Oh my goodness. Hi, baby. Oh, oh hello, hello, baby. These are two very special people. Hey. Oh, how sweet. This is 
She's our little miracle Camille. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if she'll get a sibling. Let's just say that. Gotcha. <laughs> just because of everything. Because my delivery was terrible. Yeah. It was absolutely awful. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. So. So, like, the test that they they did to find out that you had this factor, whatever. It's like an anticoagulant. Okay. Which is weird that they call it anticoagulant. I don't know. Maybe if you can explain a little bit more about that. Because I'm like, you clot more. Yeah, but then she's but taking anticoagulant. anticoagulant. Which is There's, which is weird. He tried to explain it, and I didn't understand a word of it. And he yeah. truthfully was like, Listen, "Sarah, we'll go down a two-hour rabbit hole." Well, like a lot of these things, we see. We, that's one of the questions that we ask when people have like strokes. It's like, have you have have you had a bunch of like a lot of miscarriages? Oh, like because a lot of people have these like hidden. So I guess my question is: this test that they mm -hmm. did to find out that you had it literally just, just blood a blood draw. test. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you just like why won't why don't they? Why would you have to go through so many miscarriages? Yeah, before I asked they that. Do that. They said you have to have a minimum of three before they'll run the test. I'm like, you put women through that three times why? before you're just like it's. Sim I feel like if you have expensive. one, yeah, it was sent, expensive. It has to be sent off to like the Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. and it has to go through all these testing. That's bull. Yeah, it was expensive. If you were in like if you were inpatient for some reason or whatever, it's a little different because you it's know it's like, like mentally expensive. Oh. Having three miscarriages. Oh, I understand. Like, yeah, that's that's, that's what I asked. I was, yeah. like, oh, I was like, you put women through. Like, I feel like if you have one, like, ask them. Like, yeah. do you want us to run this test? Yeah. But you know, they're like, it's a minimum of three. I'm like, for insurance purposes. <sighs> it might, honestly, it probably is. Yeah. Well, I hate that. That's yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And there's a nurse in the ER who I work with, and like we were kind of going through fertility at the same time. And it's really weird because she has the exact same thing that I. Wow. She has the exact same condition. And I remember she was like, "Have they ran that test on you?" Because she was diagnosed well before I was. Mm. She's like, "Did they run that on you?" And I was like, "No." I was like, she's like "Or she's like, do you have that?" I was like, yeah. "No, they run a lot of tests, but I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't." And then a year later, I like text her. I was like, "Yep." I have it. Man. Yeah. It's like antiphospholipid antibody. Yes. It's like the other name for it. And we have, I think it's, I think. I've is that not it. part of when you get like genetic testing done? That's not part of it? Mm -mm. It's not it's a genetic. Like, this is specifically for clotting, like mm -hmm. clotting factors. And yeah. It's not a genetic thing because I asked that. And I was yeah. like, could I pass it on? I guess my, my whole point sister is if you're going into a fertility specialist yeah. to spend thousands and thousands of dollars mm -hmm. to have a baby. Mm -hmm. It seems like you should rule out all the things that would cause you to yeah. not have that baby. Which they do. Like genetic testing, they oh, do yeah. to make sure you're not making embryos that are not genetically mm -hmm. whatever. Right. But this is more like an autoimmune kind of. Yes, it is autoimmune. They told me it was autoimmune. Yeah. And I think it's called like lupus anticoagulant because it's like, it's like has high affiliation with lupus itself, mm -hmm. like the disease, but it's like antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. And there are people who are on like Lovenox all the time, even if they're mm -hmm. not having babies, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or they're on like aspirin and a blood thinner, or they're on like all these, like, because they, you can have like, you can make all these clots. If I was to ever like try again on my own, mm -hmm. it would have to be seriously planned is what they said, because I have to start it before gotcha. you get pregnant for it to even make a difference. Yeah. 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 So we, like we said, um, when you were pregnant with her, you, you know, Sarah and I were on our own little journey. And then we have other coworkers dealing with fertility stuff. We have a lot of coworkers that are having babies. Um, and then also in the middle of you being pregnant is when Jasmine passed away and such a scale of emotion, mm -hmm. right? Like, but how did that affect you carrying also knowing Jasmine, also, Jasmine also did IVF mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I can imagine adding to the level of 
terror that you're first of all i want to say i'm sorry to both of you because i remember how close y'all were to her and i did i think you know i maybe had four or five conversations with her every single because we were both pregnant at the same time we were due a month apart yeah we would get ultrasounded together (laughs) (laughs) every single ultrasound was we were high risk so i got ultrasounds quite often And every single one was like I never got tired of it. Yeah, I bet. My sister too. Reassurance. Mm -hmm. I just remember like I I when that all happened, obviously like I was sad and I was Mm -hmm. concerned for Sarah. But then I was thinking about you, and I was like, I don't want her to be scared. Like I don't want you to feel scared. It. I was I was petrified. Yeah. After that, for sure. But what got me most of all. And if I do start crying at this part, I'm really sorry because it's I just okay. think about her little girl. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine going through what she went through because we both, she went through it even longer than I did. Yeah. And I just can't imagine having that feeling of peace. Like you're, it's it finally, finally paid off. Yeah. And not ever getting to meet that little miracle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. never getting to meet her. And that broke my heart most of all because I was like, you know, I, I barely knew her, but I knew yeah. that she would have made an amazing mother. Yeah. And at the end, she gave, like, the ultimate sacrifice for her daughter. You know, she, yeah, you know, she did what she needed to do to keep her daughter alive in that moment. Her body knew what to do. And that just broke my heart most of all, truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it did terrify me. Yeah. I was like, if it can happen to to her, it definitely could happen to me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And yes, IVF is a good thing for people who cannot have children. Yeah. But it is not an easy way out. It is dangerous. It is considered high risk. And I didn't learn any of this. The fertility clinics, they're wonderful. But of course, they are not going to tell you everything that could go wrong. Right. It is, they want it to be a joyous, Mm -hmm. you know, it's already hard walking in there. So when you're in there, they want to make it as happy and joyous as they can. Yeah. Yeah. But this isn't to scare anyone from doing IVF, but it is, you know, when I was at high risk, they were like, IVF is not a natural way to have a baby. Right. So a lot of things do go wrong. Yeah. And with the, like the rate of IVF babies going up, they are seeing more and more women having things go wrong. Yeah. Uh, They can't, pinpoint if it's because IVF or if it's because yeah. of eight like usually it's age usually women who go through it are usually yeah. a little older because I'm well I had her at 31 yeah. almost 30 I would have had her at 32 had it not been she came three weeks early so you know I was like oh my goodness no they don't tell you this in the pamphlets yeah, yeah. Um, so it is a miracle it is a great thing to have but it is it is dangerous yeah not dangerous I should not say that because I don't want any. There's a risk. There is. Yeah, yeah. It, it is risky. Yeah. It is. And I didn't know that going in. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like I would have liked to know. Yeah. Um, had they been up, like I said, women who walk in there are already brokenhearted. They're yeah. already discouraged. It's like I said, you're paying all this money for a maybe. Yeah. They don't want you to feel like that going in there. And they're very good doctors. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, love, love both, all three now, all three doctors in that clinic. They yeah. are wonderful. Is it the one that we went to? Like Natalie Vukmer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love Dr. Vukmer. She yeah. took care of us. Oh, my God. I yes. Love I was like, love I want to her outside of I do, too. Oh, my gosh. I do, too. Yeah. All the crystals and stuff in her and, like, the office. <laughs> office. Like, we yeah. see your nails. Yeah. So we've got, we've got oh, yeah. this time. Yeah. I loved her. She's I love amazing. Dr. Vukmer. Like, Dr. Scochi, Dr. Murray, all of yeah. them are wonderful. Yeah. I have my baby because of them. Yeah. But, you know, I do think more and more people need to know that it's yeah. it's not the natural way to do it. So, of course, it it is riskier. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
And I think they probably assume that you've like been told all of this before you even get to them. Right. Like, you know. And it could be maybe. it. It's worth it because, yeah, yeah. you know, I have her. But I can't imagine what people who it doesn't work for. Yeah. yeah. They're, I can't imagine what they feel. Yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, anyone doing it out there, if you hear this, it is tax deductible. Oh, it is. Oh. Any amount of money you spend on fertility treatments is tax deductible. Oh. Okay. We got to do, so, do our taxes. Turn, whatever y'all spent, uh -huh. yeah. deduct it. I wonder if the, the cost of sperm is um, included in that. For, I think it's any, yeah, I think it is. Because hmm. we asked, we have a, a CPA and we asked him. Mm. And he was like, there's some, you know, red tape. But yes, it is anything you spent, give me the receipts for. So, and I We're found that out through that. an Instagram account that I follow. Like I followed oh. a fertility account. Yes. And they, they were like, anything you spend, it is tax deductible. I was like, and we were just about to do our taxes. I was like, heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Or I'm turning that over. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you had her like just in time to, you mm -hmm. got a deduction for yeah. her. Yeah. My little tax deduction. Yeah. I love that. My nice. little dependent. <laughs> <laughs> getting hungry. Y'all care oh. if I make her a bottle? No, sure. go for it. Yeah. Hungry girl. Oh my goodness. <laughs> do you want one of us to hold her? Oh yeah. You want to go see Teresa or Sarah? I don't know about Jesus that. Girl. Say, who are these people? I don't Jesus know about all that. Girl. Who oh are these people? Goodness. I love you with a grapes. Hi. Hi. Say hi, Teresa. Hi, Sarah. Hi, baby. Is she like sitting up by herself? A little Not bit? yet. I mean, she does. Like, I put oh, wait, in that little she's suit. Just three, three months. months. Never mind. You want to say something? Just... Oh. I'm going to make a bottle. How are you? What are you doing? A little fast baby breathing. I just this is great. This is her little baby Keurig. Mm. You want to sit up? Hair. She wants to sit up. And... Hey! Oh, oh look at that! <laughs> Them cheeks. I know. What do you think? Oh my oh gosh! My I think it's time for my bottle. <laughs> okay, after my bottle, I'm a lot happier. We act like we starve her. Oh my um, you know, not to get in any like super personal, but have y'all discussed? children anymore adoption yeah. or ivf yeah. or anything like that we haven't really talked about it on here at all but um we don't have to leave it in if you don't want to we don't have to like, anybody everything yeah <laughs> uh so so we tried once at home mm -hmm. and then we went buckmar is that buckmar dr natalie is what yeah yeah um just to make sure, like, everything looked good for me as far as even getting pregnant, and which it was fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, all the stars aligned. Yep. Yeah. And then we had a couple vials um, shipped from the sperm bank to the fertility clinic mm -hmm. here. And we were due to try in October. Mm -hmm. And that's when everything... Well, so no, that month got messed up because you're, you're like tracking my, was early. Yeah. yeah, it got all, oh. I think my levels were all weird. Uh -huh. And so we missed the day that we were supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And then Jasmine died. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to talk about. I want to talk about it in a way that's not, I feel like when we tell people where we're at now, they think we're afraid. And that's mm -hmm. not it. Mm -hmm. Not that there's, I mean, there is, there are things to be afraid of, but mm -hmm. it's not that. It's yeah. not like that oh. happened. Oh, oh, good job. <laughs> I scared her. That yeah. is, she's like, wow. They may not edit that one out. No, we gotta leave it in. <laughs> um, no, I think it just put some things into perspective. Like, like this could happen. Like, of course, this could mm -hmm. happen. But 
I mean, we kind of knew this could happen to anyone, but then it just like hit a little closer to home mm-hmm. and kind of put things into perspective for you, especially. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think for me, I initially thought that carrying physically was super important to me. I think it felt so important to me because the window was closing so fast mm-hmm. and I felt like time wise, I didn't want to regret not doing mm-hmm. it. But yeah, when everything happened with Jasmine, I just remember asking myself, like, is it important enough for me to carry for Sarah to potentially have to do go alone? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. And I don't think there's anything wrong with when it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. that everybody has to make that decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. I think another part of it, which we've talked about, is like, I might feel differently if we were able to have a baby that was biologically both of ours, Mm -hmm. but either way, it's not going to be biologically both of ours. Mm -hmm. And so adoption and fostering has always been something like, even if we had a biological child we were interested in. And so our couple therapists after Jasmine passed was like, don't make any decisions right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we just kind of put it on pause. Yeah. And the further we get from it, the more like at peace I feel about it. Yeah. Because then people, because even after that, like when we were like, we're not making any decisions. And then we were leaning more towards like maybe not having like carrying kids. Mm -hmm. We would hear from people who like had terrible experience, like pregnancy and birth experiences. And I was just like, yeah. And I wasn't super pumped about carrying to begin with. Like Teresa was going to try first, but I don't know. I think it's like, yeah, I think it just, I think what happened just put, uh, allowed us to ask ourselves like, for us, what was really important. And mm-hmm. for us, what was really important is that we have children in our house that we are able to like yeah. help navigate through life and wherever those kids come from. And yeah. How long they stay. Not yeah. that yeah. there's like no sadness surrounding it. Like mm-hmm. I think like there's moments I have, like especially like when we see like a little healthy little baby. Yeah. That yes, like in the perfect world, if I could just make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I feel at peace with where we're at. Me Good. too. Yeah. Good. I do. I, however it may happen, I know that y'all will make the best parents to one deserving or multiple. Yeah. More, you know, who whatever knows? y'all decide. Who knows? Any child that if y'all bring one into your home, yeah. I know will ha- win the lottery, truthfully. Thank you. Um, you know, Sarah, I know I don't know you super well, but, you know, I know Teresa and I know that how loving she is. And I know yeah. she wouldn't have chosen a partner that isn't as equally as loving as she is. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, baby yeah. or that child will win a lottery yeah. one day. That's so, sweet. thank you. Yeah. So I don't want like one of our coworkers was really upset when I told her that. Like, just like I didn't yeah. want you to be scared. Yeah. Because of what happened to Jasmine, she was really afraid that what mm-hmm. happened with Jasmine would make us change our minds. And and it's not that. Like, yeah. it's not. I don't automatically think that because something happened to one person mm-hmm. that it's going to happen to all people. Right. It's more just like it made us sit back for a second. And right. Be like, is this what's the most important to us? And right. I don't know that it is. So, yeah. It is always in the back of your head, though. Yeah. You know, I will say that. Like, even though I knew statistically, like, when that happened with Jasmine, like, I will say I was all for adoption because yeah. I, I was like, I'm going to do it one more time. And I don't, you know, I always knew I was meant to be a mother. Yeah. And that was the one thing that kept me going because yeah. 
I always knew that however it might have happened, I was meant to be a mother. So I was all for adoption. My husband, not that he doesn't, wouldn't love a child that we adopted. He just never felt like he could feel a connection. And I do feel like it is important to be on the same page when it comes to children with your partner. I think a lot of men feel that way. Yes. And I think you and I have had that conversation before. Yeah. He, you know, not that he wouldn't love that child. He just always felt like he couldn't, wouldn't be able to connect, which in my brain, I'm like, I know that's not the case because if they were to live with us, he would change his, but he would change his mind. But you know, yeah, that's not something you ever want to gamble with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one downfall to IVF, I will say, is like, you know, we have three more embryos, yeah. and my husband can't imagine not meeting them now that yeah. she's here. Yeah. And I do feel the same way. So, like, on some level, I'm like, technically, with my diagnosis, we could try naturally and just get on blood thinners on our oh, own, and mm-hmm. it would be a lot cheaper. But then I'm, I'm like, is that selfish? You know, since I have embryos are like, you know, I yeah, that's a, that's a hard, that is yeah. like, it's a, that's a huge thing. I don't think some people think about that sometimes yeah. too, that, you know, that one's hard. Yeah. That's a hard. And it brings into, you know, there's lots of mm-hmm. like bigger questions. Yeah. About, like, there's ethical questions. Ethical yes. questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. But yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now there are like, you like donate your unused embryos to people who are like struggling with infertility. Yeah, like they can be adopted. Embryo embryo donation. Yeah. When you, before you even start the process, you have to fill out paperwork before they're even created about what will happen. What goes, If I was to pass away, if he was to pass away, if we were to get divorced. Yeah. um, If we both were to pass, it all has to be in a legal document before you even start. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, like, like even when you're saying, like, donation to, like, well, that, then you have, like, a baby that's mm-hmm. just out there, which is true, but also not true. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a weird mix, right? Yeah, it it's is. Like, even with us purchasing some guy's sperm. Right. That's, like, his kid. In right. theory. In theory. And it comes down to, like, what is, what is... And that goes to adoption too. Like, mm-hmm. what really makes a parent? What really makes a child? Right. Is it really the cell part that's as important as right. the relationship? Yeah, yeah, that's complicated. Yeah, it, it on like multiple levels. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, I mean, it really, really is. And I don't. I mean, I've never been put in that situation, so I don't really know how to answer that. You yeah. know, I do feel like ninety nine percent of people who are adopted feel like their adoptive parents are their parents. Yeah. And that, oh yeah. You know. For sure blood in that situation doesn't really i mean if you look at even like life in general sometimes you know the family you pick for yourself is more important than the family you grew up with so i do feel like though like the more like uh 23andme and all these places become more thing people who were born by like sperm donation or embryo donation Mm -hmm. it will be easier to like find your siblings Mm -hmm. that exist yeah yeah it just wasn't a thing you know, in the you know, yeah. in the sixties, seventies, yeah, eighties, even now, your people are starting to like find each other, or find out they were mm-hmm. a sperm donor. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I guess as long as everybody's transparent and honest with each other, yeah, it's not like a shock. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. My my mom actually had a cousin who, um, or her, I found a long lost cousin that way through oh. like twenty three and me. Did you do your? Uh, did you do your 23andMe to find out, like, where your people come from? Yes. Where did they I come did. from? I did. So, French and mm-hmm. English. My dad is British, and my mom, obviously, is French from South Louisiana. Yeah. And then um, Native American. My grand, my mom's 
father was half Native American. Mm, that's but. interesting. Sarah's big into the ancestry stuff. I am I like too. Tracking. Yeah, I've like tree and see, but my she, family's like not as documented as Teresa's because mm -hmm. they're like Appalachian. Appalachian. And ah. We don't know a lot. Of, I don't know a ton about that. Like I have like some records, but like the Catholics, Teresa's family is all Catholic from like even before they came over. So they, like, yeah. they keep like all the birth, records, like birth yeah. records, marriage records, death records. They're like pretty stringent wow. in the churches about like keeping huh. like, handwritten records from like the freaking 16. Teresa is like your grandparents mm -hmm. and great grandparents are like immigrants. So like mine are not like really mine are from huh well, somebody is I mean but like they're like distant distant <laughs> yeah, like yeah. distant but like came over before America was like America. Huh. yeah mm -hmm. They're all like, not all of them. But yeah. Most of them are like migrants from prior to this, like when the settlers were coming in. Yeah. And I think it's really like, cool. Oh, yeah. just like Polish and Dutch and huh. white. White. <laughs> German. Earlier, I said that my husband was Lebanese and um, Brazilian. And you were talking about how the Catholics kept really good records. Well, back in the day when my husband's grandmother was born, you would go once a year, go to the Capitol. You would write down the day that your children were born in your Bible. And once a year, you take it to the Capitol. And that's how you got like birth certificates and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, no one ever wrote down the date that his grandmother was born. Or, or turned it in or whatever. So no one knows how old she is. So they just have to go through whatever doctors, yeah. like there's a guess. Yeah. And she doesn't have a legitimate birthday. No one knows that either. So I think they picked a day and that's when they celebrate it. So That's so funny. Mm -hmm. All right. We're like on a way off on a tangent. So. <laughs> thank you so much for, you for talking through well, that. Thank you all for coming over. I know that was um, you know, not the easiest thing to talk about. No, but, but so proud of you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. It wasn't easy, but she's here. And, you know, like I said, it was, it wasn't something that I ever wanted to talk about until like, I realized I do, I do think more women do need to hear, you know, yeah. hear like that. I did feel like I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only woman out there who feels like a complete failure and you shouldn't feel that way. Right. Um, yeah. So just know that you're not yeah. and families are made all kinds of ways. Yeah. Well, I'm sad you're not coming back to work. Yeah. I hope the PR. I I don't want to leave completely. Yeah. You can work with me. Yeah. I can work with me. Yeah. Well, thank you right. for having yeah. me. Yeah. Thanks for being so good, Camille. So oh, quiet. You, so you want to say bye? You say bye. Bye. Can you give him a big smile? Can you give him a big cheesy smile? Hi. 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 <laughs> She's like, you ain't getting no smile out of me. <laughs> What's outside? Yeah, I'm usually super <gasps> cheesy. Hi. <laughs> Actually, you do not have but my But I think consent. I hit my social quota this weekend. You don't have oh, my consent. Probably. I'm tired and grumpy. Oh, girl. Here's just a good baby. <laughs> Can you give me a smile? But All right, I'm going to turn this Rachel. off. Okay, you turn it off. Bye. 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 Thank you guys for listening to the Catch Me Up podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and review our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music. You can email us at catchmeuppod at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at catchmeuppod. We appreciate you guys so much and come back and see us next week.